this is the in focus podcast from the hindu good afternoon and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today Last week Prime Minister Modi chaired an all party meet at which he said that experts believe the COVID-19 vaccine will be ready in a few weeks. Eight vaccine candidates are at different stages of preparedness in the country. On Wednesday, the Serum Institute of India and Bharat Biotech's requests for emergency use authorization of their vaccine candidates in India were put on hold pending more evidence. The vaccine will have to reach thousands of healthcare workers, frontline workers and elderly persons with comorbidities who have been prioritized to get it. How prepared though is India for a vaccine rollout? What is emergency use authorization and what does it mean for a vaccine as new as the COVID-19 vaccine? Are people ready to take a vaccine or are there worries that may have to be combated? And what are the challenges our state healthcare system will face in what may be a vast program that lasts for months? Talking to us about these issues is Dr. Rajiv Dasgupta, Chairperson, Center of Social Medicine and Community Health, Jawaharlal Nehru University. Good afternoon, Dr. Rajiv Dasgupta, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Hello, thank you. Doctor, there seems to be some hope with regards to the pandemic now with vaccines around the corner. The Prime Minister at an all-party meet on Friday has said that a vaccine will be ready in the next few weeks, and also indicated that India has the best capacity and expertise in vaccine distribution. Given that our country annually targets around 56 million pregnant women and children as part of its universal immunization program, could you give us an idea about uh, how this program could be harnessed for the COVID-19 vaccination drive? As you very rightly said, uh, India does have very deep strengths in the immunization program. In fact, among all the national health programs, this is one of the finest programs with strong supply side as well as uh, demand side factors. In other words, India is capable of and very regularly immunizes. very large numbers of children and pregnant women as well as some other vac- vaccinations in very specific areas such as the japanese encephalitis so overall india strength is both in program delivery as well as vaccine manufacturing and the current uh, optimism and confidence essentially stems from that those are the strengths and that's what uh, any government would really play on doctor could you give us an idea about the people and the logistics involved in achieving this so this program as you know the routine immunization program as we call it it works through a very wide network of frontline health workers who are backed by a cascade of program managers that goes right up to the district state and central levels vaccines by their very nature require very strong robust and timely logistic support and very critical to this is both vaccine movement move, moving it from the factories from the production units to the storage units these storage units are also at state levels at regional levels down to district and sub district levels 
plus the fact that cold chain has to be maintained, which means right from the manufacturing point to the delivery point, refrigeration specifications have to be met with. So vaccine movement always gets priority. There are a number of vaccines that is in the program, including the eradication elimination program, such as polio and measles rubella, which means that those campaigns have to be conducted on a regular basis. Plus, there are catch-up rounds. You'd be familiar with the terminology such as the Indradhanush and the uh, Mission Indradhanush and the Intensified Mission Indradhanush, which are fairly recent uh, initiatives. And all these have gone on to strengthen both the program as well as the confidence in the program. Doctor, uh, the COVID-19 vaccination program, once it begins, will be unprecedented in scale, primarily in our country because of our population. And it's going to stretch the state's capacity in a way that not many things have. How ready are we to face this? And uh, do we have the resources, the logistics in place? We just spoke about how we're going to harness uh, what we learned from the Universal Immunization Program. But how ready are we in terms of our resources and our facilities to be able to vaccinate our population? There is an enormous effort that's going on in the background, whether it's in terms of the regulatory decisions to be made, the whole issue of numbers, the prioritization strategy, who would be immunized first, uh, and in what sequence, the, the, the calculation of the computation of demand, how much vaccine is going to be required, where... Now, these me- mechanisms exist much from much before the immunization program, particularly around the polio and measles rubella uh, initiatives have undergone a whole range of strengthening. Uh, there is there's a whole lot of digitalization that has happened in terms of tracking uh, vaccine logistics, in terms of tracking storage spaces and so on and so forth. In other words, These strengths certainly exist on the ground, plus the fact that enormous background work is on even as we speak. And it it will continue to work because, as we just discussed, a greater degree of surveillance will be required once the actual vaccine usage begins. So the preparation is really on a giant scale. Uh, It's about some of the issues that will really begin to crop up once licensing is done once decision for use is made and once expectations really rise what what are some of those issues that may crop up doctor one issue of course is if i may on a lighter note expectation management uh, yes <laughs> who w- w- what what exactly is an ideal prioritization strategy there are no foolproof answers to that there are ethical issues woven around it Uh, All countries are going through intense uh, discussion processes. Each country would certainly like to maximize benefit for its entire population to the extent possible. As far as prioritization strategies go, there are arguments made on both sides in the sense that there are countries who feel that uh, the, 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 the minorities, minorities in the sense the the more marginalized groups who really actually need to be in frontline work. In other words, those kinds of work which you cannot do from home and who would necessarily need to be 
in public spaces who would need to travel long distances for work who who can be compensated least otherwise and therefore would need to be at their workplaces should that be priority uh, other countries have argued that the elderly with comorbidities they are a priority and the one category on which there has been complete consensus is those who are at the front line of health and health related care that's actually the most non negotiable category the point is what exactly are governments going to promise and the extent to which those promises will be feasible and possible given that there is intense demand globally uh, in the vaccine market and and clearly much of the supplies that's going to be available has been in a sense pre-booked uh, by the more affluent countries a term which increasingly in use called vaccine nationalism that will also be in play this is in addition to managing side effects managing very serious adverse events that go with any vaccination program the actual efficacy whether it will be at 50% efficacy whether it will be at 90% efficacy uh, which means that even among those who will receive the vaccine all will not be or the entire 100% of those who receive the vaccine will not be protected because that in itself is a function of the efficacy of the vaccine right doctor the prime minister said uh, at the all party meet that priority will be given to as you pointed out healthcare workers frontline workers and the elderly with comorbidities uh, do we have the mechanisms in place to be able to identify one of these categories say the elderly across our country across states and districts uh, will we be able to do that that in itself is one of the major challenges one of the key mechanisms that's going to be used is using existing databases such as aadhar for identification which means that any existing database that one uses would have certain inclusion exclusion issues that go with it but the other more tricky problem is identifying those with comorbidities and that right. that's where this whole uh, digital health initiative is being pitched but these systems can't really be put into full proof action overnight uh, and and that's why i say that expectation management is really going to be a very difficult thing for any government whether it's at the central level at the state level or at a relatively local level therefore identification of the vulnerable whatever the vulnerable characterization vulnerability characterization may be is going to be a very big challenge except for of course health workers but there's a catch there also there's a there's an enormous amount of health workers who are in the private sector many of which is not so well regulated or may even completely be outside the net there's also this issue of and as we have seen uh, very sadly with some of the covid related deaths among health providers that those who are on private contractual terms haven't received the benefits that the government uh, those in government or in full government employed employment actually received so in other words there are these fuzzy areas there are what's known as wicked problems which really need to be solved both with empathy as well as as close to real time as possible doctor one of the problems in our country is the skewed nature of health infrastructure uh some of our states uh, perform better than others when it comes to health indicators 
how uh, how will this work in terms of vaccine distribution and is there anything from the success and the failure of the universal immunization program uh, are there any lessons or takeaways from it that we can learn for this vaccination the immunization program as it stands is very centrally rooted in the government provided system however now we are having a situation where we are catering to a completely unprecedented number of beneficiaries which is over and above the ongoing program because the ongoing program is not going to be shut down for any period because yes i was going to ask you about that children are going to be born children those children have to be protected women will be in their pregnancies they have to be protected certain issues like japanese encephalitis is seasonal in other words none of them you can't put a pause button to those ongoing activities so whatever is going to be taken up is going to be over and above those and that brings to the discussion the extent to which non government providers will be reached out to how they will be roped how will they be trained there's this whole question of data systems of these data systems being able to talk to each other uh, if 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 you are in a private uh, private organized organization that's providing service it's not that these are insurmountable uh, but these are practical issues to consider and uh, finally which is really going to be a gigantic effort is tracking adverse events because earlier i mean not earlier sorry in the in the routine program there is a defined number of children and they are defined in geographic terms vis-a-vis the frontline health worker so she exactly knows the how many villages she caters to or the urban areas she caters to who the children are who the households are and those those factors and therefore the adverse events following immunization or what's called the aafi that system uh it's it's also a relatively nascent system but it's it's now a reasonably well established system but here is a situation where with a whole new pool of those immunized across age groups these aafis need to be tracked and plus the fact that it's a new vaccine so all adverse effects that may follow particularly the serious ones need not necessarily be known or predictable and therefore a very high index of suspicion will need to be maintained and it's not that the system is unaware of it so the preparations are on to recruit a much wider network in other words to cast the net wider than the standard aefi system but these are very new challenges and all of this has to be have to be done over and above all other activities both immunization as well as other health services Doctor we were talking about frontline health workers who know exactly how many children they need to immunize are these asha workers and other healthcare workers who are already overburdened by the pandemic are they going to face multiple challenges in the coming days that goes without saying that they are going to face multiple challenges uh, one will one will really have to put a lot of faith into the systems that exists at state and district levels the fact is that each state and as we have seen with the covid pandemic itself during its worst months each state or district or municipal body have really put their best foot forward they have made all kinds of innovations or 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 really designed practical interventions 
within their own settings and the 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 total covid management experience in india is a tribute to that and therefore i believe states and districts will also rise to this occasion but yes it is a new vaccine it is a new program and it will come with its own challenges but i i i do have a faith in the district and state systems do we need to scale up human resources for this doctor the only mechanism of scaling up human resources is as i said the existing immunization program is for all practical purposes a heavily government state dependent program uh, including including adverse events monitoring but here is a situation where the governments are reaching out to the private sector and i'm sure uh, this 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 collaboration will work out but yes this is a new demand on human resources both in terms of numbers as well as capabilities doctor there's been a lot of talk about whether we are prepared in terms of cold chain logistics how effective has the national cold chain management system and the electronic vaccine intelligence network which track and manage vaccine stocks been could they take on this additional burden of uh, tracking the covid vaccine as well? the fact is that over the last decade or so both these two systems have been refined a lot the additional challenge is the space requirement plus the temperature requirements depending on which vaccine is going to be inducted into which area but i repeat there are enough there there, there is enough preparation on this and i don't see this these aspects getting overwhelmed right uh doctor what could be the challenges that we might face in last mile delivery um we all know by now that the vaccine is probably going to be in two doses how effective is our follow up system for instance if uh, we are immunizing an elderly person with comorbidities who has to come in on a particular day get his immunization and then possibly come in a, a couple of weeks later for the second dose how effective will be, will we be in challenging in, in tackling that i agree it's this last mile downstream issues that's really going to test the system whether it's the public system or the private system or whatever form of collaboration is put in it's both in terms of adverse events it's 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 also in terms of the efficacy what proportion is going to be protected and for how long what if there are additional surges of infections these are these are as yet really unknown but the bigger another big thing that governments all all governments state governments and the central government will have to grapple with is competing demands from multiple vulnerabilities the fact is as the covid pandemic has shown that vulnerabilities are very complex complex in their nature that each vulnerable group has a legitimate demand to the vaccine as as well as to treatments and rehabilitation of of, of various kinds and therefore at one level one could perhaps foresee a political minefield of sorts notwithstanding the fact that a whole lot of technical preparation is underway and some of those problems may prove to be less wicked than managing political demands and some very legitimate expectations are there any lessons we can take from any of our other programs doctor for instance in managing tuberculosis or in managing polio any lessons that we could draw in terms of following up with patients uh, to track them and to see how well they are doing that we could possibly use in this program 
all these programs that you named, whether it's the National AIDS Control Program, the Tuberculosis Control Program, polio, and so on, uh, have matured over time. The fact is that programs are built brick by brick, and India has done that admirably well for many of these. We are into TB elimination, we are into malaria elimination, we are into measles rubella elimination. But the key factor has been time. Let's not forget that all deadlines, all sorry, all, all milestones have got pushed by years, if not decades. And that's not to be taken negatively, but the fact that learning does take time, programs do get built brick by brick. The challenge in this case is that no one is really prepared to wait, uh, whether it's at the across the political spectrum or across the community spectrum. Everyone simply wants to get back to life, just as you and I also do. And and that really is the challenge here: how fast we can learn things and how fast we are able to 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 modify ongoing things to the best of to the best that one can make of the evolving situation. Any gaps, doctor, that need to be addressed before the vaccination program is rolled out? Any specific gaps in uh, the big challenge? In- the big challenge, and that's that's been manifest with these or what's almost a year of the pandemic now is communication. The risk communication experience in India has not been very encouraging, unfortunately. There hasn't been emphasis. There hasn't been research inputs into preventive behaviors. There hasn't really been research and other kinds of inputs and innovations into communication strategies. That's where a lot needs to be done, even as the pandemic will grow. Just the availability of vaccine doesn't mean that the pandemic will be switched off overnight. So communication strategies, particularly, and we know this from earlier vaccine campaigns, is extremely crucial. It will need refinement of a different degree now. It will need to be proactive. And a lot of make or break situations would ride on communication strategies. And that, I think, is something that's that ought to get a lot more consideration than it's getting at present. Could a lack of uh, effective communication lead to vaccine hesitancy? Vaccine hesitancy is an important issue all across the world, more so in a heterogeneous multicultural country such as India. Even with the best of communication, there will be vaccine hesitancy. And here we are with a new vaccine. So... It's, it's going to be a very strange mix of vaccine optimism and vaccine skepticism. And already you can see glimpses of it in the media reports, even from uh, very prominent personalities. You would have various political, religious and cultural positions on this. And therefore, communication outreach really has to be absolutely decentralized. It will It will need a different kind of political and cultural imagination, and it should receive the same background preparatory work that's been there on vaccine logistics, that's been there on the laboratory aspects of it. I really don't see an effort of that scale in in these elements, and it could prove costly. Doctor, if people hesitate to take the vaccine, up until now, all of our immunization programs have been run on the basis of the fact that parents want their children to be vaccinated and come forward to get them vaccinated. 
um, there is no legal compulsion to do so per se. Uh, would that change with this? I am not aware of any legal um, of, of the legal route now. The the other side of the coin of a legal element is that you would really the, the the government or the program should really be in a position to provide 100% coverage with this let's also remember that the seasonal influence of vaccines or the experience with the seasonal influence of vaccines in some of the advanced economies the fact is that it doesn't protect against all strains uh, the fact is that the strains shift across years it protects for a certain number of months it does come with some benefits but here the popular expectation around vaccine is that the pandemic would probably disappear with a magical wand but in this case the vaccine at least as it seems now given the results now is not going to be the only tool that's going to end the pandemic or that's going to get things back to normal as we expect it would be a significant tool it would certainly be critical in providing protection to the most vulnerable whether it's health workers whether it's other frontline workers those who have the maximum exposure and the prioritization strategy ought to take in take that into account in a much more wider sense as as some countries at least in their discussions are are, are going through but the vaccine is not going to be the only magic bullet so we have to continue to make sure that we go with all the other precautions that we already are following absolutely the vaccine is going to be another important tool in the whole spectrum of pandemic control activities but it's not going to be the only one and we don't even know the full extent of its efficacy and how soon we'll be able to cover what proportion of the population a lot of it is still at the drawing board stage but there is always going to be that difference between the map and the territory that's right doctor before we uh, sign off if you going back to our previous podcast when we discussed how um, the pandemic and uh, controlling it could have impacted other routine healthcare issues uh, could you give me a quick glimpse about whether uh, routine immunizations for children and pregnant women have been affected uh, because of the lockdowns in various parts of the country there are two issues two, two aspects to it one of course routine immunization has been affected and that's not just india that's globally so all in all regions the who has taken stock with its member states all countries also have put in corrective measures including india there is a catch up strategy and therefore this additional strain is going to be visible now also the only silver lining perhaps is that a lot has been learned since routine immunization was equally affected by very frequent run, rounds of pulse polio nearly 20 years back through the late 90s and the early 2000 and it's only after 2002 that when a whole lot of corrective measures were put in that you actually witness quite a dramatic rise in many states who were considered laggards at that time actually making spectacular gains in correction uh, sorry in coverage so there is both the risk as well as the evidence that the country has been able to handle that and therefore we can only expect that it wouldn't now adversely impact to that extent 
But yes, there is certainly going to be an additional demand and strain on the ongoing activities. If uh, it took some of the states some years to catch up, could that also mean that with this additional vaccine coming in, there could be a time lag of some years before full coverage was achieved? Even if even if adequate numbers are available, it would still require a number of months for full coverage, number one. Second, this is not a situation where one dose or even a two-dose schedule is going, is going to accord lifelong immunity. So will it be just like influenza vaccines? Do you need to do it seasonally every year? Those are some of the unknown elements we will see and we will learn as we go along. Okay, doctor. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Thank you for the invitation. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.